there's a story told about HMS Richard. So to my generation, he yeah, was a big name, HMS Richard Sr., founder of Voice of Prophecy. And uh, it said uh, when he was once asked the most, one of the most profound truths he'd ever heard, and there's a Karl Barth story about this as well, the famous theologian is, what's the most profound theological truth? Jesus loves me, this I know. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and really, I think that's the foundation of why the ministry is probably why you guys are there. It's what he did for me. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of the Pass the Baton podcast, where we talk about life, ministry, and everything in between. Uh, we have a very special guest. Not to say that all of our guests aren't special, but we have a very special guest that allowed us to actually film in his office today. And that is El Presidente, El Jefe, the guy on top, the guy that could end our careers right now if he wanted to. And that is <laughs> Elder Steve Haley, the president of the Kentucky Tennessee Conference. Welcome to our podcast. Doctor. Doctor, no, excuse me, please. doctor. We got to make sure that we put that in there because he's he's more legit when he has a doctor president title. I like I like that, doctor, elder. Maybe most importantly, uh, I hope servant of the Jesus of Jesus on my very best days. So. Yes. <laughs> well, for those of you that don't know about uh, conference presidents, so the way that at least the Adventist structure leadership structure um, is uh, situated that we have local conferences which cover a certain territory and that is headed by uh, president and of course other officers besides but i'm going to let uh, elder haley talk to us a little bit about himself uh, he wasn't always a conference president so let's uh let's hear a little bit about your story elder haley sure so uh i i need to add my own welcome to uh pastor john and pastor tom welcome to my office and, uh, <laughs> they, they, they've been here before i think it's uh, the principal's office so we get in trouble it is and uh, <laughs> I, I don't remember what settings you guys have ever been in my office i hope for the most part those are pleasant <laughs> and positive uh, occasionally things happen in this office that can be a little stressful uh you know wherever there's people there's joy there's opportunity there's fun and particularly when you're in administration there's times when uh Stuff is not so much fun. Uh, so I think your question was, uh, who are you? Or yeah, where are you tell from? us a little bit so, about yourself. Uh, I've been uh, really privileged. I mean, I sincerely have really enjoyed this role. I've been here for 12 years in, in uh, this position. Uh, uh, surprising a bit because uh, I, I think it might be true of other people that are presidents or maybe even pastors. Certainly, you've never envisioned when you're 15 years old <laughs> or you're 25 years old, maybe you'd ever be doing this for a lot of us. Uh, so uh, that's been been a real, uh, real, uh, real ride of, uh, in terms of this job and this this journey, a real ride of pleasure and, and uh, fulfillment with with some points of stress and as we all have a challenge. Uh, I grew up in uh, Washington D.C. area, Maryland side of D.C. People familiar with the Metro D.C. You think of the Virginia side, the Maryland side, separated by Potomac River. Grew up in uh, suburban Maryland. Uh, not far from the kind of the historic, one of the historic centers of Adventism is called Tacoma Park, Maryland. Uh, for a while, the General Conference was headquartered there. The seminary was there uh, pre-Andrews University days. Uh, we had a publishing house there called Review and Herald. Uh, Ellen White used to trek through there a lot. She's a, she's a pioneer 
uh, historic, very important person in Adventist history. Uh, so I, I grew up eh, not far from there. Uh, a mixed family. My mother was a Adventist Christian. My father was not. Uh, a mix of church school uh, with public school. And uh, so uh, a, part, a part of my biography, I guess, that some people find interesting is uh, from the time I was in high school, I had uh, a desired interest in law enforcement. So um, when I turned uh, 21, I joined a, uh, a police department, city of Rockville, which is kind of where I grew up, and some of the paraphernalia behind me. Uh, lo and behold, uh, can't see it. I won't hold it up. Uh, that's uh, a couple of pictures of me to the right. That's a picture of me on my motorcycle. And uh, uh, John said, hey, we want to make sure we see that motorcycle model. So that's uh, as old as that looks, and of course, I'm not a young guy. That's pretty close to the kind of motorcycle I drove when I was working traffic in law enforcement. Of course, when I think of motorcycles, I think back to our police officer. I think about the you know California Highway Chips. Patrol, the old chip show. Yeah. yeah, so oh, yeah. That's, that's kind of the first thing that comes to my mind is, you know. <laughs> uh, without answering your question, taking way too long, I probably am. I would say that it was during this time uh, that uh, God really made clear to me that there was maybe something else for me. And of course, that I would uh, attach that to what you probably guessed correctly. That was kind of an uh, adult conversion thing for me and understanding a God of grace and love and compassion. And almost for the first time in my life, I kind of connected the dots that uh, I didn't have to be perfect to someday be in the, someday be in the kingdom, but uh, I just needed to trust in a perfect Messiah, a perfect Savior, whose name is Jesus. And that really kind of turned me uh, I was about 24 years old to think, liked that job, enjoyed the profession, but I thought one life to live, maybe something else I can do that would uh, just make a bigger impact in terms of serving Jesus. Well, that's that's really cool. I, I just I love I, I don't know if I've actually heard that. We talked about your thing, but just kind of that from that perspective, I really I really appreciate that. So, did do you have like a was it a this conversion experience, or was it more kind of like an over a, over a period of that time period? Yeah, or was... you know, I don't have a uh, knocked off the back of a donkey like Paul thing mm -hmm. with the blinding light of approach to Damascus. <laughs> it, it was an increasing sense of um, uh, I, I don't know. I I, th I think there was a number of factors that were going on. One was uh, while I enjoyed that work, uh, of course, I'm, pr I'm pretty pretty young at that point. Depending on your listeners, you think of young as, so what were you, 10? Now, I mean, looking back now at my age, so I'm in my early 20s, uh, life experiences start to uh, accumulate, particularly in that field of work, meaning you're, you're kind of you're interacting with a stage of life in a very dramatic way. So you're being exposed to tough situations, uh, people that uh, didn't grow up like you did, uh, circumstances of life very hard. They make bad decisions. You're the law enforcement element, um, and so you're brought into a lot of a lot of tough things. Uh, calls nine one one. My husband's beating me. Um, uh, just all kinds of stuff in the projects and housing projects. Uh, kids growing up that uh, have single parent homes or being raised by grandparents. So you got drugs, alcohol. Just, just a lot of bad stuff. That, that starts to have an impression uh, on a 23-year-old who, while I grew up in kind of a, a modest blue-collar type environment, uh, those things were new to me, inclu including just the tragedies of life that, that hit people, the bad decisions people make, um, that you have to be there to enforce. 
Uh, just a human dilemma brought about by sin, by a world that's not perfect anymore. That started to kind of eat a little bit away at me. Uh, loss of life. Uh, I, I worked part-time in a hospital on the weekend to make a little more money. And part of the duties of security was to transport uh, lifeless people, uh, best way to say that, dead people, to, to a morgue. They were carrying a baby uh, in a blanket just because it was the easiest way to get them to the morgue quickly that even felt warm a bit in my arms. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is, wow. I didn't know what to make of that. So that's pretty serious stuff. And, and somewhere in all that, all that maybe a little sense that I like that word, but what's the purpose of life? These big cosmic questions, taking me back to things I learned as a kid in church that I'd learned through academy. Um, I knew there was God and I, you know, I knew certainly respected Jesus, <laughs> uh, but that stuff became more serious to me. So uh, I know my answer is getting kind of long on that. I would come back to my apartment. I was single and just started reading the Bible. I wasn't going to church, uh, nothing against the Adventist church, no sense of, you know, people need to be visiting me or why is no one knocking on my door? Where are you? We've seen you in church for years. I never felt like I was owed anything with that. Uh, it was my decision not to, you know, not to be regularly interacting with the faith and with the Adventists. So that that sense of something else, there's got to be something else. I don't think I want to retire in that job. Uh, there's these big life questions. So I start reading the Bible and largely reading in the, in the Gospels and the letters of Paul. And almost as if I'd never read that stuff in my life, it's by grace you can save through faith. Uh, I think that's Ephesians 2. This is not of yourself, it's a gift of God. It's like mind blown. Just like, wow, really? <laughs> so a lot of the Paul stuff just really hit me where uh, just making it crystal clear that this, this gift thing is uh, what a remarkable, it, it really deeply touched my heart. And so over a period of weeks, just uh, come home instead of reaching for the TV remote, pick up my Bible. And there's no digital stuff back then. So you're, you're holding leather in your hand and reading paper and thought, man, that, this, this is phenomenal. Really, really, really powerfully impacted me. I mean, over the course of time, it's probably some months, I was ready to go hold a Revelation seminar in my apartment complex and wow. do something. <laughs> but, but I also realized, I think I need to do something. I need to do something else. I want to do something else. I, I want to be full-time in, in my work doing something for Jesus. That's, that's pretty, I haven't heard that. Have you heard that? No. I had not heard no. that before. So I, yeah. so that led you to becoming a pastor then? Uh, it's a little more circuitous. Than that. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know if it's true for you guys, but uh, the, the sense of the pastor, it didn't enter my mind then. And I think part of that was... I'm not good enough to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. uh, I mean, before that, I wasn't good enough to be a Christian. I wasn't good enough, you know, to... we In police force, now and then, religion would come up. Uh, at least at that time, uh, at least the uh, department where I was at, uh, it was kind of, it's kind of a secular environment. And so you never talk religion, you never talk faith. But, so, but when it would come up, people would say, well, you know, like, what are you? I'd say, well, don't look to me. That's an example of what they're supposed to look like, but my background says the Adventist, and that's kind of what I affiliate with. So, uh, <laughs> you know, that, that I, I really wasn't identifying uh, with that. And the sense of what I would do with this newfound love for Jesus and what he'd done for me is I, I had the warmest, fondest 
uh, memories and still to this day do about my academy high school experience in Shenandoah Valley Academy in, in the Shenandoah Valley, Virginia. It's a beautiful place. That experience meant a lot to me. Uh, I was a boarding student there, lived in a dorm 24-7. For the most part, I really enjoyed that. And so I thought, you know what, I might think, I think I could maybe do this. This would be cool. Go back in you know, high school, teach religion, connect with these teens, and maybe make a meaningful difference. So really, my undergrad degree, when I went back to Southern, I had been there briefly when I was 19. I uh, loved it, but I wanted to be a cop, and they weren't offering law enforcement degrees. <laughs> uh, but uh, when I went back, I took a uh, religion ed. I have a minor in history. I, I uh, student taught, certified to teach. And uh, I don't want to eat up all your pod time with this, but uh, a fairly dramatic thing happened with uh, uh, the death of my dad and some other stuff that kind of started to come in to my life and, and impact decisions about how I was finishing my degree, started picking up Greek, and uh, just kind of thinking, I don't know, maybe, maybe a person like me could maybe do that. God, is that what you want me to think about that? So that's kind of where that started to take off. <laughs> wow, that's that's really that's really something, especially with the whole idea. I mean, I like I like the the schooling background, how that kind of brought you out, and then teaching. I could see you doing that too. I mean, I'm not that I want you to not be our conference president because I mean, uh, you and John John gets this. I mean, you you were there with my first interview. Um, I remember. Know, yeah, yeah, I was. I was. Yeah, I was very nervous about it because I had no intention of being a pastor. Yeah. My 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 route was instead of being a pastor, I was wanting to go back into the military as a chaplain, and so I only interviewed um, as a mutual friend of ours said because you need to go and interview when they come, uh, Darren Boyd. Uh, he sat there and told me it's like he didn't get, he didn't let me off. He said you need to go and interview, and so I'm like, well, this is the last interview that I'm doing because I don't have an intention of being a pastor. I am going to be a chaplain in the military, and lo and behold, after talking with you and yeah. Elder Hartman, um, you know. <laughs> I remember distinctly, and I don't know if you remember this or not, and uh, I, I got the very same person. It's like, uh, uh, we'll call you, don't call us. And so I'm like, oh. Yeah, I'm you know with everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I would have done that with Mark Finley. I would have done a John Bradshaw. I'd do that with anybody. Yeah, so I'm like, I'm like, okay, so I'm, I'm not going to get a call back. And then lo and behold, uh, we were actually getting ready and packing up our stuff to go to Andrews University for seminary for uh, chaplaincy. And then get a call and say, hey, we've got, we've got an offer for you. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, um, <laughs> well, we'll say I, I – I don't want to leave the interview, but if you got, I think I can tell it in less than five minutes. The story of my dad thing is, is pretty powerful. I don't get to tell it much. Are you open to that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Okay, so my dad wasn't a Christian. He was an alcoholic, and uh, anybody who's been around substance abuse, if you're a kid or you're a spouse, you know, you, anyway, that's a tough that's a tough journey. He was a kind guy, uh, didn't beat his wife, my mother, or his three sons, uh, but as a guy that drank every day of his life. I remember. A functioning alcoholic. He had a job. Uh, he was good at that. He was a manager of, uh, this is the days before Lowe's and Home Depot. So he managed the hardware store, what we called a lumber yard. I don't know if anybody has even heard that term. So they, everything you'd see at Home Depot and Lowe's, they did with some extra stuff. They, they, would, they would sell uh, anything you needed to, to build a house. And that's where my grandfather worked. My aunts, uh, I'm sorry, my uncle, my cousins, my brother, we all worked there. So that was my dad's life. But back to this thing, to tell it quickly. Um, yeah, you know, if uh, some of your uh, listeners can identify with that, if you've got a, a, a substance abuse family member, it's a, it's a tough route. 
and it, it, t it tends to encourage codependency and dysfunction. And uh, part, of, part of the byproduct is you got to learn later, by God's grace, how to be caring and try to express, uh, you, you know, caring skills, practice and demonstrate them. Those don't come easily when you come out, if you come out of a home where there's substance abuse. So, uh, again, he wasn't a cruel guy, he was an unkind guy, but I went all the way through my young adult years. This is not a father that says to kids, I love you, you're not going to get lots of hugs. Uh, I don't remember missing those as a kid, this is life. <laughs> so you didn't really think about it. So it was very unusual my senior year, I'm sorry, it was, it was uh, when I left police work, I needed two years to finish my degree because I already had an associate degree in criminal justice. So I didn't need a lot at Southern, but uh, the summer, I was in summer school, it was May of 1981. Uh, so this is a dad who all through academy, he's not going to write you, he's not going to call you. Uh, and it just seemed like normal. I never held that against him, even now I don't. So that's just what life was like. So I get a phone call back when Southern actually had phones in the dorm that were on the wall. You guys don't remember that. But, <laughs> I do, so this I is, do remember that. Was there a phone there? Yeah, there was. There was pre-cell phones. There stuff. was, there were phones. Uh, I, I, I didn't go to the, I, I didn't ever go to the dorm. <laughs> yeah, you were married. I was, I was in security, so when I went to the dorm, it was usually for, for yeah. not, not for a phone call. It was yeah, well, the phone rings with my dad. So he, he wasn't feeling good, you know, physically, medically, that's some stuff. But I, I mean, I, my whole life, I don't remember having much conversations with him. Uh, and so in that conversation, he talked a little bit about, you know, it'd be great to retire. He was all 48 years old, pretty young. But, uh, and I think he and my mother were having some problems. Uh, by that point, there was, I had a sister. She's, uh, was born when I was 17. And he talked about her, had a lot of love and affection for her. But in that phone call, I said two things. One that I almost never remember him saying, and then one I know he never said. First thing he said before we hung up, um, he said, I'm really proud of you and your brother. So my brother had joined me at Southern. He had been, I was a policeman, my brother had been a paid professional fireman in Fairfax County, Virginia. He had come back to Southern. He took business, I took religion. I said, hey, really proud of you guys. Yeah, okay, thanks. And then he said, uh, I love you. And uh, I said, oh, well, love you too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, he just paired it back. All right, bye. Uh, a week later, I come back to my dorm room. There's a sticky note on the door. Call home. Your dad died. Oh. <laughs> you know, wow. I, I, wow. I give this expression like a little chuckle. It's not funny or whatever. It's, uh, wow. you know, it, it, it was. So I th that was part of thinking. Uh, in fact, among many things, I felt a little guilt over that. I thought, man, that was a God thing. And in uh, that phone call, if I could back it up, I would have said, I think I could have found the boldness and courage to my dad, who often when my mother is trying to do worship with three boys who all, usually had no interest in her worship, <laughs> throwing pillows at each other. My poor mom. My dad's in the kitchen inebriated, you know, eating late at night, just after you're pretty much drunk, that's when you eat. He never objected, never joined in, never said a word. Now and then threatened he might go to church in his worst moments, never did as a kid. I'm thinking, I wish I would have said, hey, Dad, I'm going to talk. I mean, hey, look, 30 seconds, man. Let me talk to you about Jesus. Mm -hmm. uh, but I didn't. And, uh, you know, I don't, I don't think I'm responsible whether you're born up in heaven or not. But so that it's just, oh, I don't know. Uh, and some other things happened that just kind of impacted me about the brevity of life, the fragility of life, the loss of my dad, and 
Uh, I think I think I was already thinking about taking beginning Greek and opening that possibility, but that kind of brought in a new element to it. Wow, it's 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 so interesting to hear people's stories on on their calling and stuff like that. And uh, you know, I man, I, I would love to, for you to share that like at a, at a conference thing and just you uh, know, I think you know, just to to hear that. I mean, that's just that that's 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 impactful for me. Well, as you probably guess, I had to check my emotion because sometimes I just cry over that one. I don't tell it a lot, but I, this time I was able to kind of keep the emotion at the door for a second. But yeah, that's a long time ago now. But you know, it's really important that we share these stories because so often when we look at leaders, especially in positions like president or even pastor, yeah. uh, we're often placed in a pedestal where our position is divorced from our humanity. Yeah, right? and. Uh, Tom and I have spoken about this in our other podcast where we we're pastors and we take those positions very seriously, but we're still human. Mm-hmm. And when people divorce the humanity from the position, they they tend to place us on pedestals that we know that we're not. Yeah. So, so you guys have experienced that. I think it's true. Uh, it's not better or anything, but I think even so for my role with this title, it's on my desk here. Uh, there's even a, even a, among really good people, there's an expectation of, I, in fact, I once had someone say this, uh, they said, I'll bet you had it. Uh, in fact, it's uh, a really good church member here at Highland. His father I've known for years, he's retired in nominational work. He said, I bet you had a great father. And I said, no, my dad was an alcoholic. I said, no, my mom was pretty good. She did her best. And they kind of put him back. Uh, he's a good guy. But I think the expectation is you come from, like these storybook backgrounds yeah. maybe or or even presently like he's he's like he's probably almost like sinless they don't think it that way but it's hard to think of dysfunctional backgrounds broken pieces that god has to put together that you never get to the point where you can do what you do or you do or i do mm-hmm. uh, so that's uh, uh, good good church members they say well i came from it but they did man I, well yeah, yeah. And that's a story of a lot of people well, and that's and it's really interesting because I, I won't say the details, but I actually had an interview at another conference when they found out that I didn't grow up in the church and that I was actually a convert not only to Adventism but convert to Christianity in my mid twenties. And like, well, what are you doing being a pastor? And, and I was thrown, thrown, thrown. I was thrown back by that. I'm like, and, and and I got and I didn't ask a question directly because I was so thrown off by it. It's like, so you have to be like generational that I have to grow up in a Christian or Adventist home in order to be a pastor? Is that the qualifications hey, uh, for it? Probably all three of us would have been in trouble if you go back to a model of hiring. It was not uncommon around my time, eight, certainly before that, where they'd say, uh, I'd have been in the same boat as you to say, you're single? Yeah. What's the prospects of getting married? Not high right now. <laughs> hey, well, thanks. We'll, we'll get back with you. Maybe. I had a, I, by the way, I had a couple I'll get back with you when I was a senior. I never heard a word. One was even promising. I thought you didn't hear anything. And then second, if you're married, does she play the piano? Uh, no. And, and there was a sense that if you are married, the spouse is going to be a second unpaid employee. Yes. We, we definitely need to spend a whole podcast episode just on that because that's right there. Um, but now, just bring us bring us back. Um, you know, I really appreciate you sharing your story because it does show that, regardless of how you grow up, whether it's good or bad stock, that God, if He has placed a calling on your life, 
he's going to lead you. And if you let him lead you, he'll take you to where he wants you to go as opposed to where we often yeah. want to go. So having, you know, share all of that, you know, your father passing away, the Greek opening the window or the door. Um, so how did, how did you actually get, actually get into pastoring? Like, how did that happen? Yeah. You know, uh, j- just hopefully a brief comment because I know you don't want me to you know, do all the talking and big, big no, no, no. You, please you to talk. Yeah. But, but one, one thing I wanted to say is, uh, and I'm not great quoting chapter and verse, to the to the assurance of your listeners and you guys, I do read the Bible, <laughs> but, but, and, I, and I used I used to work really hard on memorizing it. And that's that's Ezekiel chapter four. Man, I'd have to stay with that constantly, be able to quote chapter. But Paul writes this great thing. Uh, I'm going to say first second where where he talks about God, who God chooses, and uh, so he chose the least. He chose those that have nothing to offer. That they visibly, and I mean, this is obviously a terrible paraphrase. That, that he chooses them, and then Paul says, so that the glory and honor goes to him and not to the chosen. And so a lot of us have taken consolation from that who come from unpromising backgrounds, or even look in the mirror present tense and say, what have I got to do this? And it's like, oh, yeah, but he chooses these, these, these you know, the least, uh, and maybe now and then he chooses superstars that you know from day one groomed to do this, and from perfect backgrounds. As we would, I don't think there are such things, but yeah. uh, but most of us come into this with our baggage and our brokenness, and you know we didn't come through perfect parental scenarios and families that were functioning and happy and loving and. You know, it's like singing Kumbaya every day, you join hands. That's just not where we're from. But uh, that's that's largely the ranks of the call are from that stuff. Mm. And uh, and I'm sorry, you asked how they do in the pastor, how they get in the pastor. Oh, no, but yeah, that's still good. <laughs> no, no, it's, no, yeah, it's, we love that. Yeah, you don't have to. I mean, we we that's you know, and we've talked about this in our previous seasons. I mean, this is unscripted. We don't questions or anything we want candid yeah, conversations and, and sometimes well, I'm, kind, you can tell I'm kind of a shy person doesn't like to talk so <laughs> I, I know you're, you keep leverage <laughs> yeah i mean it's but again we want to although that is it. my background so i'm shocked <laughs> you. i hope that's true you guys like no nah, get up front and say anything speech class in college scariest class ever took yeah, I, I yeah. Well, and, I, and it's actually surprising the statistical numbers and the number of introverts that are pastors. And, oh yeah. And I wonder if that's not because of the part of our job that is probably the most enjoyable for me is this the study of scripture and the preparing to get up front. Not so much the getting up front and presenting what you prepare, but the actual like the study time, the devotional time is is, is definitely meaningful and it gives us the energy to get up. Well, and even. Uh, I know we're touching lots of topics that aren't scripted, but even the part of uh, introvert versus extrovert. So uh, at some point, if you want to do a podcast on what administrators look for in terms of employees, like here's the perfect, (laughs) this is what it looks like. But, uh, you you know, generally you're trying to bring into ministry what you hope you got a little bit of, which is people skills. But I mentioned that for a different reason. Uh, A lot of us that are in these called appointed positions for which we believe the Lord's behind that. So for you guys, it's congregational ministry. I've done that. It's been a lot of years since then, but your life is a fishbowl life. Um, 
And someone told me this recently. <laughs> I got to laugh at it because they said, so when you're in a public position of leadership, maybe more so for me, but true for you guys, there's no such thing as private conversations. Mm. Uh, you know, outside your family, I thought, yeah, that's worrisome. That's <laughs> <laughs> uh, a little bit. But, uh, you, you know, uh, I, 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 I get, I'm fueled by connecting with people, but particularly when I was pastoring, you know, when worship was over, and maybe a potluck, uh, and you've done your Sabbath thing, I, I just need to get away. I, I, need, I need a walk in the woods. I need time alone. Uh, the thing that, you, that is enjoyable and, and can be energizing and powerful is also quite draining for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. And uh, I don't, you know, I don't say that Jesus, what Jesus was like with that. But we do know from the life of Jesus, he, he took a significant amount of time to be in solitude with God and pray. And maybe he just walked through a meadow and he picked daisies and he just, you know, just thought and meditated and just, that was his form of R&R. So uh, I know it's not your topic for today, but I think a lot of us, um, some people that don't do what we do may not understand it, but a lot of us need, we're, we're, we enjoy the people part, and then the people part also, we've got to get away from that sometimes. That's, yeah, that's, I mean, you literally just described when I get home, when I, when I get done with preaching and get home from a potluck or whatever the event is, you know, one of the, one of the, one of our favorite things to do is go hike and uh, either go hike or go lay in my hammock and take a nap. <laughs> I get it. Those are, those are, those are, those, I get uh, it. yeah, that's. And then not today, but another day where you talk about for something I was pastors, uh, said not in a theological sense, but is Sunday actually the day of rest? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. There's we'll a... get into that controversy another time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway. Uh, but, and the thing about it though, is usually when they think about, leaders becoming you know leaders like you had mentioned earlier they, they, they're certain they come from certain stocks so there are certain expectations of how they act how they behave without knowing any of their the formative years that led them to that point yeah. because we often expect pastors to be perfect and our conference administrators our presidents to perfect of the perfect perfect of the yes. perfect yes and so yeah just the, uh, the fact that you know you're humanizing what it is to not just be a, a president, but a pastor. I think a lot of people can gain value with that from that, especially those of us yeah. that we, I don't know about you, Ty, I don't desire to be a conference administrator. Of course, God, if he does do that, he's going to have to speak very clear on that. But uh, I call it the cast iron yeah. call. It's got to get you with a cast iron skillet. But, but the fact of the matter is God has led you on a journey. I mean, it's a very powerful story of how, where you were to where you are now. And so, you know, being a pastor now as an administrator, you know, can you talk with us a little bit about how um, that transition from pastor to administrator has impacted you spiritually? Yeah, I'll, I'll preface it by saying, even after all these years, so you know, I'm clipping along, getting close to 40 years of being being around in professional ministry, paid professional ministry. But I I still have pause moments. It's not daily, it's not weekly. Uh, I don't even know, I can't even think of when they happen. They happen unexpected, they jump out just in my mind or heart. Uh, Sometimes I'm driving, sometimes I'm listening to a song um, on the radio, it's a spiritual song. Uh, Could be something that just happened and I got some time to reflect on it. 
And uh, I'll get full of tears when I think of God asking me to do this or do what you guys do. And it's, it's usually a, a, an amazing grace moment. It's like, man, man, it's that level of love, that level of, wow. I, yeah, after all these years, I still suggest I really get it. It just, uh, want me to do this? And, and you know, you know who I am, right? It's like, God, are you sure you know? <laughs> like, of course he does. Uh, it just blows me away. Uh, uh, I, I'm someone fascinated by, and could, there's a story told about HMS Richard. So to my generation, he has a big name, HMS Richard Senior, founder of Voice of Prophecy. And uh, it said uh, when he was once asked the most, one of the most profound truths he'd ever heard, and there's a Karl Barth story about this as well, the famous theologian is, what's the most profound theological truth? Jesus loves me, this I know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and really, I think that's the foundation of why the ministry is probably why you guys are there. It's what he did for me mm-hmm. that, that calls me to, I got to do something with this for other people. That That's, uh, so uh, tracking your question was <laughs> pastoral ministry to administration and maybe how did that happen or, I mean, we can go there. But, <laughs> I mean, uh, the fitness for it, uh, yeah, it's still an amazing, crazy story. Why you do this, why you're here, uh, how long do you do it? I don't know. That's God's thing. Uh, I'm in an election year. You get reelected. I don't know. I'd like to do it a little longer, but if not, I don't, that's fine. <laughs> do something else. Going for Haley. Uh, I need, for, <laughs> I need for, for financial reasons, I need to work a little longer. Hashtag that. <laughs> but, but uh, uh yeah, to, to do this today is like, uh, who would have ever seen that? Even I shown about Academy in the 70s. No, nobody saw that. I wasn't a spiritual guy in Academy. Uh, I wasn't a horrible rap, uh, rebel rouser. Or say. I wasn't that, but uh, no one saw this coming. I never saw this coming. So maybe that's circling back to the calling. But all the stuff in life, you know, you're the summation of all your life's experiences that constantly changes. Today, there's some experiences that will... Uh, that, that, that are on top of the ones from yesterday. There'll be some, some tomorrow. And I think imperceptibly, uh, a little tiny bit at a time, those things form you into who you are and what you are. And what eventually, how God can use those. Even the things you do that are stupid or bad or wrong, potentially, you know, I think God can take that. And, and if you're willing, make you into something that's maybe even more effective to honor him and bless others. And so I think I hope that's my journey. Sometimes it feels a little bit like a step forward and two back. Mm. Uh, in fact, am I better Christian now than you know those the, those early zealous days of leaving police work? Oh, anything for Jesus? I don't know. I, you know, you got you got to wrestle with. Uh, am I still you know as close to the flame now as I was that that early day for you guys too? Those first days is well anything he wants. I'll you know. Um, but, um, uh, yeah, I, I think I look back now and of course I'm toward the getting closer to the end of doing all this is, uh, the police stuff. I, I think it, it had a role. I mean, uh, I, I can't even imagine back then the confidence to go up and talk to anyone. Police work, you pretty much got to do that. <laughs> you can't pull someone over and knock on a window and think, think of the words here. It'll come to uh, you know, you, you're engaged with people, you learn communication skills, assertive skills, confidence skills, and then um, 
my pastoral stuff. I think early on I wanted to do ministerial. That's a pretty attractive entry point to think. If you want to do anything different, a lot of pastors think, I'd like to be around pastors, like be a chaplain, the pastors, pray with pastors, give them some counsel now and then. And uh, uh, the ministerial role is that, but there's some hard stuff yeah. <laughs> uh, as well. Uh, Joel Sutherland will figure that out at some point. But um, <laughs> so that was kind of an entry point to kind of migrate from pastoral work. I got a chance to do that at Georgia Carmen. They got a big uh, uh, ministerial footprint. There's like five guys. Mm-hmm. So I got to do East Tennessee Regional. That was fun. I did that for um, four years. And uh, uh, it's, ancient, it's becoming ancient history. And maybe that's good because God doesn't want us to live around tragedies circling around them. Know, sorrowing, but the George Carmen plane crash happened when I was in ministerial that killed a lot of close friends. Uh, it was a brush, uh, close brush of death for me because I wasn't on the plane that day, though I could have easily been. Mm-hmm. And so that's another God thing. I'm here, others aren't. Can't figure that one out, but it is what it is. So from there, uh, I was asked to take the place of one of the guys that died in that crash. In fact, whoever wants to be a vice president for administration, it was called often called conference secretary. So it's my task all day long to sign my name on pieces of paper and just read policy books. It, it's it, so encouraging. Yeah. <laughs> we'll but say thank you to Elder Hewitt afterwards. Thank you, Elder Hewitt. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I was asked to do that. It turns out it's a, it's better than that. But uh, so um, yeah, that. I didn't really want to do that, but that felt like duty and honor. And God was saying, hey, if asked, you pray, you, maybe you should do that. Yeah, I'll do that if asked. And that's the way that happened. Yeah. And then the journey here is also uh, a really, uh, I think on my on, on one hand, maybe, maybe less than two, I can name the times that I think God was really powerfully saying something to me. Um, one of them was maybe to take that job when the plane crash happened. I thought, oh, I gotta do that. It'll really, I like ministerial, I like that. Coming here was another one of those, you probably heard that story, so yeah. we'll leave that alone. But, uh, and then we just had another one happen. Um, it just it just happened Monday, which is another one of those spine tingling for me, goosebump. Man, I didn't know if you were in that. It's taken a long time that you were in that. Uh, and if you want to hear more about that, I'll tell you, it's a pretty cool story. I think it's probably cooler to me than it will be to you guys, but it's one of those, thank you, because I did hear you clearly a year and a half ago with a, a lawsuit issue, uh, and it took till Monday till to verify uh, that I did hear you clearly a year and a half ago. For me, part of what was at stake in that story uh, well, look, I can't assume you want to hear this. <laughs> you know what? Actually, we're going to save that for our next episode. This is good. So I'll, I'll let it we're go. All right. To, All right. We're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about that and some yeah. other things that you wouldn't normally just have a conversation with a conference president out in the open like this. Yeah. <laughs> um, but we do want to thank you for joining us for this episode, at least, Elder Haley. Thank you for sharing your story. I mean, I enjoyed it. I'm so disappointed because I really wanted to tell you that story. But but I will wait. You're going to tell us the story in the next episode. Which will be in like five minutes. What what we like to do at the end of every episode with our guests, especially, um, we want to let them highlight something that they're passionate about, a project or a ministry. So um, would you, if you want to share anything particular with our our viewers or audience, now's the time. Passionate. I, I, I really feel uh, really positive. It's not maybe laser-like focused on one thing. I think there's a really great future here. So I've been here quite a while now. 
years. And so it's more in general, but the past 12 years of being here, this territory, and uh, I'll resist telling the story how I got here because you said, don't do that. This is a great place. This territory has really great people who are really faithful. Uh, faithfulness in terms of finance. Mm -hmm. They're faithful in their tithing. Uh, we've had 12 years of financial growth and, and importantly, membership growth. We're, we're not going to make the, you know, we're not going to make the cover of the review for membership growth. Uh, it's despite trying a lot of things, and we'll keep trying a lot of things. We do some traditional things. We're willing to seed money out there and try to do some creative things. But uh, 12 years into this, uh, I am, I'm so thrilled and humbled that God asked me to come here when I wasn't sure I wanted to come here. Um, uh, and uh, it's just the faithfulness of the people, the treatment I've received, and the ability to, I wasn't sure I could do this, to just for right or wrong, better or worse, be here in this role and be able to have, I hope to the good, some influence in a lot of areas, just across a broad spectrum of things. And I think going forward, if God's plan is I get to do this a while longer, is uh, we have strong finances, we've got talented people. I don't know two more talented people than Pastor John Rimatera and Pastor Tom Kaiser. <laughs> and I also want to say the most talented media ministries director in the world. Her name is Paola Mora. I don't even know if she's listening. She may <laughs> see this at some point. She's actually in this room. <laughs> well, thank you. So, so actually, on a serious note, there's great talent here. There's a lot of dedication. There's good people that love Jesus. And uh, uh, I get excited because I think we got a, we have a great place here. We try to create an environment. I hope these guys, without prompting, would say the same. You, you can make mistakes here. Uh, we just ask you to give your best. And some days, probably none of us give our best. And that's why God has grace, and we have grace. And so uh, it's generally this is a, this is a good faithful co uh, conference uh, of we're almost seventeen thousand members. And uh, we're just able to do a lot of cool things here that I hope honor the Lord. So that's maybe not a great answer, but uh, uh, we have no lack of interest in people that like to work here. We don't have a lot of, we don't have a lot of turnover, um, but it's because I think this is recognized to be a blessed territory. Uh, there's just, it's an exciting place to live, uh, just this entire territory. And uh, yeah, what a privilege just to have a little, a little part of it being part of that work here. Oh, amen. Well, again, this is only part one of our conversation with Elder Haley. We are looking forward to our next episode because we're going to get into some of his other stories that yeah, I he really wanted to tell yeah. the story this time, yeah. but we have to we have to leave it for the next episode. So. Yeah, I didn't want to talk about any of the stuff we talked about today, as you can tell. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, that, oh, that's it for our episode here. And... Uh, would you like to close us with prayer? Sure, let's let, let, let us pray. Father, heaven, Lord, I uh, I get really excited when uh, I hear these stories, Lord, and uh, some of these stories we've heard, and many of them we haven't heard. This is our first time, Lord, and I just pray that uh, that these stories will bless bless our listeners, bless those who are watching this or listening to this, Lord. Uh, and specifically, if somebody is listening right now and they don't feel like they're good enough to let them know that Jesus loves them Amen. as well. Amen. And I hope that's what, what people get out of this, Lord. We thank you. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.